Hello and welcome to the first episode of Series 3 of the DMU Politics and International Relations podcast. My name is Millie and for this episode we will be discussing the recent US midterms and the repercussions of the results for the Democrats. Today I'm joined by Dave Debrick, who lectures in American politics and history. Welcome to the podcast, Dave. Uh, good morning. Thank you very much for inviting me. So the midterms took place on the 8th of November with all 435 seats in the House and a third of the Senate up for grabs. Although there are two states yet to declare for the House and Georgia is doing a runoff race next week on the 6th of December, we already know who will be in charge of, the cha- of each chamber. Dave, would you like to give our listeners a quick recap of the results? Uh, Certainly. So um, the Senate, uh, a little surprisingly, was, as you mentioned, held by the Democrats uh, and essentially the Democrats have uh, 51 seats uh, in in the Senate um, and the Republicans have 48. It was expected the Republicans might have more than the Democrats, but that hasn't happened. As you say, uh, another seats to be decided on on the 6th of December, that's Georgia. Uh, between uh, Raphael Warnock uh, of the Democrats and his uh, Republican opponent. Uh, And in the House, it's a lot narrower than a lot of people thought it would be. Uh, 220, the Republicans have got the House of Representatives. The Democrats are on 213. Uh, A lot of people assume the Democrats would have fewer than 200 representatives. So uh, there is actually sort of room for negotiation there. You just mentioned the, um, the Democrats lost fewer seats than expected and President Biden actually tweeted about this saying it was the first midterm election in 40 years that a Democratic president hasn't has lost as little seats as they did this year. Were you expecting the Democrats to lose more seats than they did? I absolutely was. Uh, so the average uh, loss for a uh, first term president of either side, Republicans or Democrats, is since the Second World War is 29 seats before this election in, in the House. So usually it's what America often does, they elect someone and then they constrain them. Uh, the one exception, the reason he mentioned uh, Democratic candidates in particular, was 2002. Uh, that was when George W. Bush, a Republican, was president. And essentially the reason he actually gained seats uh, was because it was the year after 9-11. Uh, so the, what we call the rally round the flag uh, uh, it was in, in full effect. So uh, essentially America was uh, at war, uh, uh, you know, uh, about to go to war in uh, Iraq as well as Afghanistan. Uh, and usually you rally around the flag and you vote for whoever's already in. Uh, so that's the, the one anomaly, if you will, in the, in the last few decades for either party. Uh, so a lot of the predictions had uh, the Democrats losing certainly 30, 40 seats. In the end, they lost nine seats. Um, which is lower than most poll polling uh, had it. I've seen a lot of people saying that the Republicans didn't gain as many seats as they as projected because of the damage that Trump has caused to their reputation in recent years. I find this quite interesting, seeing as Trump has just announced he's running to be the Republican candidate for the 2024 presidentials. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's very interesting. So a lot of people, especially Donald Trump, but uh, a lot of people, whether they like Trump or not, expected this would be Donald Trump's sort of uh, rejuvenation, redemption, you know, since his his loss, which he still doesn't accept from the uh, 2020 presidential election. Um, So he said before uh, the the election, he kept talking about, you know, do you want me to run again? Do you want me to run for president in 2024? He'd say his own rallies and people, of course, would say yes, yes, cheer him on and so on. Uh, and it was expected that um, 
uh, he he had an announcement on the 15th of November, the week after the uh, midterm elections, um, which is, that would be him saying, you know, I'm running. And actually it was. But the circumstances in which he announced that he's running on the 15th was that uh, actually a lot of his candidates had lost. Uh, he'd backed over 200 candidates, but he tended to back them not because they were competent or because they were good Republicans or because, you know, they would actually do a good job of, of running America, um, but because they agreed with him that he that the election had been stolen in 2020 uh, and the actual quality of the candidates that were willing to say that uh, and try and be elected on that basis was quite low. So the over 200 candidates he, um, you know, he supported, actually relatively few of them uh, got in. And in actual fact, I think that the early analysis, you know, even on the, the, the day after the election, um, uh, Trump was actually being blamed rather than being seen as, as the de facto leader of the Republican Party, uh, which, you know, he's uh, effectively been the last few years, obviously, uh, since he was elected president in 2016. Uh, he's being seen uh, more as a, a, a kind of millstone around the neck of the Republican Party. So um, it's not entirely clear whether, you know, he, he can say that he'll run in 2024 and he, he's entirely free to do that. And he may yet get the Republican nomination. Um, but uh, the fact is that another candidate has emerged, which is Ron DeSantis. Uh, so he's the governor of Florida and he's very charismatic. Uh, he's very popular. He won only narrow uh, election in uh, the first time round, but this time won handily, uh, uh, not by 19 percent. And Florida is a state which it's become increasingly Republican, but uh, that's a pretty big margin of victory in, in a state that until fairly recently, uh, you know, could be won by the Democrats. Uh, so he's very popular and he's said that he'll run in 2024. Uh, so it looks like it's not going to be a cakewalk for, for Donald Trump at all. And his reputation as someone whose approval you need if you're running for office as a Republican has certainly been considerably tarnished. Um, as for DeSantis, I think it's interesting that uh, Trump has already got a nickname for him. If you, if you remember in 2016, he talked about crooked Hillary Clinton uh, a, a great deal and, and so on because she got, a, you know, an email account that was um, uh, not official uh, and there were things about, you know, official secrets and, and, and so on, which it turned out tr Trump actually took a lot of secrets home to Mar-a-Lago. Um, but apart from that, uh, uh, the, the, he tends to give nicknames to people who uh, are running against him. And he's already done that with Ron DeSantis. He's, he's called him uh, Ron DeSanctimonious. Uh, so, you know, the, the fact that he's uh, talking about him and how he shouldn't run in 2024, he was saying this even before Trump officially announced on the 15th that he was going to run, uh, means he sees DeSantis as a genuine challenger. And it might be that DeSantis is the person that, um, that uh, people who decide that you need to leave Trump behind in the Republican Party uh, can rally around. Uh, so I wouldn't be at all surprised if it was a, a DeSantis-Trump uh, campaign leading into the 2024 uh, election for the Republican nomination. Yes, the, the 2024 presidentials are definitely going to be a very interesting event. Um, now moving on to what this means for the Democrats. Nancy Pelosi has been the leader of the Democrats in the House of Representatives since 2003 and the Speaker of the House since 2007. And importantly, she was the first woman in this role. 
She will obviously now step down in January, and she has also said that she will not seek re-election as the leader of the Democrats. Do you think this will be quite a shake-up for the House of Representatives, seeing as she was such a strong force for pretty much two decades? Uh, well, yes, it will. Uh, I mean, uh, she is sort of admired, and she has become a figure of hate for Republicans, you know, uh, uh, to the extent, of course, only a few weeks ago, uh, a, a, ma a man, a conspiracy theorist with a hammer, broke into her house and attacked her husband uh, and asked, you know, where, where's Nancy? So, so she's very much seen as uh, her and Chuck Schumer uh, representing, um, uh, he in the Senate, her in the House, uh, representing the Democrats. You know, uh, Nancy tends to come up a lot as a, a, a almost the opponent, the, the chief enemy, if you will, of, of uh, Republicans. Uh, depending on your your uh, opinion, um, and she has been a thorn in the side of of Trump. Uh, to her credit, it's worth remembering actually in the early days of Trump, after Trump uh, made a fairly reconciliatory uh, acceptance speech in 2016 when he won the presidential election, uh, Nancy Pelosi did try and work with him, uh, but then increasingly, you know, he 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 wasn't pulling his weight as as it were, he's being increasingly partisan and just uh, you know pursuing policies that were helped his vote his voters uh, and not america as a whole and uh, she became a, a staunch critic of of trump um to, to say the least uh she's 82 now so it's not a, completely a surprise um and uh yeah there is uh, it, what yesterday actually the democrats picked uh who will be the new leader uh the new um uh, leader of the democrats in the house of representatives and it's a, a congressman from new york called hakeem jeffries uh, who's 30 years younger than her. He's only 52. I say only, that's even older than I am. <laughs> but com compared to Pelosi or indeed Joe Biden or Donald Trump, you know, it's it's actually quite young. And he was um, uh, voting with no one else run uh, with opposition. So I think he'll be an interesting one to watch. Uh, it's worth mentioning with Nancy Pelosi. I mean, understandably, perhaps given her age, there seem to be a lot of questions about her, um, uh, you know, stepping down for, for quite some time. She seems to have been quite the lightning rod for uh you know for, for democratic hate there's yeah I, I sometimes fear there's a bit of a misogynistic streak in there um whereas say mitch mcconnell who uh, is the uh, republican senate leader uh, is 80 uh he was only a couple of years younger and he hardly ever seems to get this uh mitch mcconnell of course was expecting to be the senate majority leader because he thought the republicans would take over the senate and in fact, he is going to be serving as the Senate minority leader for another another two years. Um, so, yeah, it will be a change for the House Democrats, but I don't think it's necessarily a negative one. I think Nancy Pelosi herself would say that. Certainly she can, on the whole, I think, be proud of uh, the legacy she, she's had. And uh, she's been given the honorific title uh, Speaker Emerita, which uh, I, I thought was a nice touch by the, the House Democrats. Yes, definitely. She was one of the only people that the only names that I could recognise before I started studying American politics. So she's definitely going to go down in history. Moving on to Biden more specifically, historically, the midterms make it quite hard for the president to push through legislation in the second half of their term. What do you what do you think these results will now mean for Biden and the policies that he wants to push through? Do you think that the Republicans gained enough seats to disrupt Biden's plans? Quite possibly. So, uh, I mean, it's basically positive in the Senate insofar as it's quite 
likely that Raphael Warnock will win uh, the runoff in a few days' time. It might, might not happen. And they've got the majority anyway, but it will give them some breathing room in the Senate. And the Senate is, if anything, even more important than the House, because if, say, uh, Biden has an opportunity to appoint uh, another uh, Supreme Court justice, he's already uh, appointed uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson, the first black woman to uh, serve on the Supreme Court. Uh, it's just the Senate that uh, has to confirm by simple majority, in other words, uh, you know, a, a 50 a 49 vote or 51 49, um, uh, any further candidates for the Supreme Court. So if he has that opportunity, then having that in the Senate means he's not, you know, in hoc to one of the borderline uh, Democrats, uh, you know, most obviously Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia, who sometimes does vote with the, with the Republicans. He has a, a, a voter base that's essentially Republican. So he's very much what they call a blue dog Democrat. He certainly has uh, Republican uh, leanings. Um, in the House, uh, it's early days yet, of course, because it's not even uh, the, the, the term hasn't started. But it'd be interesting to see. And with there being such a small uh, majority, so literally, as I say, Republicans 220, Democrats 213, with remarkably uh, <laughs> some some still to be called. Uh, it doesn't take many votes uh, for the Democrats to, to get their way, whereas, you know, the, it tends to be uh, with just 100 people in uh, the Senate, uh, it tends to be that they're, they're likely to vote with a couple of exceptions, like Manchin for the, the Democrats or uh, Lisa Murkowski of the Republicans, um, sometimes Susan Collins of Maine. Uh, it's, it's a bit more sort of set in stone. So there is potential room for negotiation. It might be Biden, um, when Bill Clinton was faced with a much less, uh, pos much less positive numbers in 1994, after the so-called Republican Revolution, uh, he went for a, a, a triangulation strategy, where essentially uh, he pushed through some things that um, were actually of interest to Republican voters uh, as well. And Republicans therefore voted for them. Uh, and, you know, so wh whether it means Biden won't be able to be quite as, um, you know, quite as left uh, as some people accuse him of being. It seems odd as Biden's been, a, you know, if Biden were over here, he would probably be running in the Conservative Party. So certainly, you know, very much the right of the Labour Party or the, or the, the Liberal Democrats. Uh, and yet in America, he's sometimes labelled a socialist or, or even a communist, which, which seems odd to us. Uh, but his policies where he tries to ape Franklin Roosevelt, uh, you know, it's with New Deal-esque uh, uh, big uh, welfare policies, big, big spending, um, trillion dollar bills and so on uh, to, to help people. Uh, that might be a little bit tougher, um, but the House, I think, is tends to be a little more flexible uh, than uh, than the Senate. So uh, it is still tough. You know, I'm not saying he's, he's they're, just, they're certainly not going to rubber stamp anything Joe Biden says. It's just really it was expected to be much tougher. You know, if we're talking about a larger Republican majority, uh, it, it would have been a, a good deal tougher for Joe Biden. To get anything done, and he, he may well have been a, a lame duck for the next two years. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode, a short but sweet episode. Um, I'd like to say a massive thank you to Dave for joining me today, and thank you for listening. And as always, please follow if you'd like to see more episodes from us here at DMU from the Politics and International Relations Department. Mm -hmm.